looking forward to this. I've been interested in going through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 with our church. And actually, I'm, I was telling Kevin today, I was thinking this, this actually would be a really good study for the whole church to go through to learn about spiritual gifts and talk about just the proper use of them, understanding them and, and activating them, using them. So I'd like to uh, go through 1 Corinthians, the first half of 4, 1 Corinthians 14 tonight and then Perhaps at the end, if we have some time, we'll, we'll try to do some application and, and implement. Ask the Lord if He would give any words for one another as we're here. Let me go ahead and pray and we'll, we'll dig into the text together. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather, gather with your people. And as we open up the pages of Scripture, we ask that you would speak to us that you would shed light on what you want for us and may we get in line with what you want for us. I pray that you would bring clarity where there's been fogginess and give us understanding of the gifts you've given us and how we can show love in the body of Christ through the gifts that you've given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. Catch us up a little bit. Last week, Pastor Mike went through First Corinthians 13, and he shared on, it's about love. Um, typically, that's something that you hear about like at a wedding, you know, the love chapter. And in the context that the Apostle Paul gave First Corinthians 13, he was correcting the Corinthians' use, misuse of spiritual gifts. Um, they were acting childish. They were bringing attention to themselves. They were using their gifts in a way that wasn't necessarily building up the church, but it was bringing more attention to themselves. The Apostle Paul addresses them, uh, and he tries to center them back on the main thing. Namely, that they walk in love. That they live lives of love. And Pastor Mike has argued uh, in this series that... Uh, a truly spiritual person is a person who loves. Uh, a, a mark of a truly spiritual person is, some, is somebody who loves somebody else and serves somebody else and edifies somebody else. Paul got done talking about love in 1 Corinthians 13, and then he picks it up in 14, and he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He picks up on what he just said. He said he described what love is. He says if he, if you have all these gifts, but you don't have love, you're nothing. What good is it? If you're super gifted, you're a rock star, you're a superstar, and everybody loves how awesome you are, but you don't love, then you're, it's, it profits nothing. And so Paul starts the exhortation here with pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Now, you might think that after the Apostle Paul was addressing so much dysfunction within the church concerning their spiritual gifts, that he might say something like, pursue love and just lay down your spiritual gifts. Like, just stop using your gifts. Just love. Just love. Stop using your spiritual gifts. He didn't say that. He said, pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Paul was affirming that spiritual gifts were an idea that came from God. They originated 
from God. They originate from God. The, the, the wisest mind in the universe thought, let's give these guys some gifts, right? Even though when we give our children gifts, they, you know, tend to misuse them at times, right? We still love to give them good gifts and we want to teach them how to use those gifts properly, right? So pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For the one who understands him, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And so here's the big idea of where we're going. that Namely, that God has given every Christian the capacity to build up others in the church through their spiritual gifts, and they must seek to do so. God has given every Christian the capacity to build up others in the church through their spiritual gifts, and they must seek to do so. Seek to build up others with their spiritual gifts. So what should our attitude be towards spiritual gifts? According to the Apostle Paul and what he's said here, um, he doesn't say get rid of them, stop using them. He says to desire them earnestly. That spiritual gifts are a good thing. He says at the end of 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty nine, he says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Paul affirms that tongues is a good spiritual gift to be used for the edification of the church. But in the corporate setting, it wasn't, it wasn't helpful for anybody to use the gift of tongues unless there was an interpreter to explain what was being said, right? And the other attitude towards spiritual gifts is we shouldn't despise them, specifically prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so this is powerful right here. Paul says, do not despise prophecies. Here at City Church, uh, we are continuist. So that's different than cessationists. Cessationists believe that the miraculous gifts, such as prophecy, tongues, and healing, ceased, has ceased. And some would even try to use 1 Corinthians 13 to say, as, as an argument for that ceasing, that when the perfect comes, uh, prophecies will cease. But as we looked at last week, that perfect isn't the Bible. The perfect is when Jesus comes back and we experience glorification. Prophecy will cease then. Tongues will cease then. And so until Jesus comes back, we have spiritual gifts to use for the building up of the body, for the, for the glory of God and for the good of the people of God. So Paul gives this instruction to the church in Thessalonica. Don't quench the spirit. Don't douse what he's doing in your lives. 
And one of the ways we can quench the spirit, the flow of what God's doing in our lives is has is have this uh, attitude of despising the prophetic. Okay? Despising prophecy. And, you know, I, I think there's a tendency for us to despise the gift because we see folks like the Corinthians who go around and say, Thus saith the Lord, you need to give me your car. Or you need to sell your car right now. Or just say, they may say some outrageous stuff. They may prophesy in the name of the Lord and it may not line up with scripture. And if somebody does that, we have, we have a more sure, steady word to put our faith in than a prophetic word that somebody gives us. That's subjective. We have an objective word that we should submit every prophetic word that we get from somebody else. Do not despise prophecies. Now, what cessationists do with prophecy, the gift of prophecy, like, like this right here, they would have to redefine it. Like, cause it's also mentioned in Romans 12. And, and they do re- redefine it. They describe prophecy as merely preaching the word of God powerfully, right? And, and there's, there's some, there's some more creative, uh, definitions that they use to, um, to describe that. But prophecy, I think, is more than just preaching the Word of God uh, or preaching or teaching. Sam Storms, who has a great deal to say on this, this topic, says this, Our beliefs control and shape our zeal, expectations, our prayer life, and especially how we respond to and interpret claims people make regarding their experience of supernatural phenomena. So the church has from the beginning, experienced supernatural working through the power of the Spirit. And I don't see any reason in the Bible to believe that God has stopped working supernaturally through His church and that these gifts uh, don't, aren't, aren't for today. I think if, if I was convinced that the Bible taught that, then I would believe that and I would teach that as well. But from my reading of Scripture, I'm convinced that these gifts are still for today. So if, if we come at the Bible with a cessationist perspective, we're not, we're, we're, there's going to be a tendency to despise a prophetic word that's given. So let me give a definition of a prophetic word since <clears throat> we're talking about that. Prophecy is the reception. This is Wayne Grudem in, in his book on the gift of prophecy. The reception of the reception and subsequent transmission of spontaneous divinely originating revelation. Prophecy is the reception and subsequent transmission of spontaneous divinely originating revelation. So uh, another way to put it, Sam Storms, is prophecy is a human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is speaking forth in merely human words something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Okay, so I think that's a great definition. Those are great definitions of New Testament prophecy. Um, John Piper also would would lean towards uh, lean to Grudem. Uh, D. A. Carson in his book uh, Showing the Spirit is also says he's also sympathetic to Wayne Grudem's uh, interpretation there of prophecy. Uh, I think this is a helpful definition. God is a speaking God. From the very beginning of Scripture, we see that He speaks. And he hasn't stopped speaking to his people. And if we possess the Spirit of God who lives inside of us, we could and should expect God to speak to us and to speak through us anytime he so chooses. 
And so that's the definition of prophecy. How should we use the spiritual gifts? So, so here's, here's what, what, what the Apostle Paul's trying to do here is he's trying to give some guidelines, some regulations with how these gifts should be used. First of all, they should be used in love. Prophecy builds up, and, and so that's a way that we can express love in the body of Christ. Um, they should be used in faith. Romans 12.6 says that if he who prophesies, let him prophesy according to his faith. And it really does take faith to step out in the gift of prophecy. And, and really, ma- many of the gifts, you just have to take a risk. You, ca- you just kind of got to you gotta step out there. Uh, submission. They should be exercised in submission. The, 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 the prophets are subject, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. There's this submission. Paul describes a spirit-filled community in Ephesians 5 as those who are submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. And so if we get a word for somebody in our community as we're worshiping together in corporate worship and God impresses us to share something with them, then we humbly, we're to humbly submit that to them. Not come down heavy-handed like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Um, we're, we're, we're to humbly submit that word to to them. Romans 12.3 tells us to not to not to think more highly of ourselves as we ought to, but to think with sober judgment. And that's in the context of going into spiritual gifts right after that. We're also to use them in order and decency. Paul's correcting what seems like charismatic chaos. I'm, un- I'm, ashamed- I'm unashamedly a charismatic. So I'm-, I'm a continuous, but I'll- also I'm okay with describing myself as a charismatic. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit that they're active for today. Now, I would describe myself as a charismatic with my seatbelt on, right? And so I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to go crazy. And I'm going to filter any word that I get or that somebody else has for me through this more sure word. The scripture, right? The infallible word. So I'm going to test words of prophecy. I'm going to do my best not to despise prophecy, even though it's misused. And even though there's immature people that God speaks through, but immature, broken people with insecurities and struggles and weaknesses. And God speaks through them and works through them because we all have the spirit of God within us. We can expect that. And so we shouldn't despise it. Right? We should be open to what the Spirit's doing and saying. And that takes humility. So there should be some order and decency. Um, everything should be done in decency and order. And Paul makes that statement in the context of saying, everybody don't just pray in tongues at once and go crazy. Because that's not going to help anybody else around you. That'll build you up if you have the gift of praying in tongues. But that's not going to build the person up next to you unless there's an interpreter. So Paul says, pray. If you got that gift, pray that there would be an interpreter. That that there would be an interpretation given by the Lord if you're going to exercise that gift. Otherwise, use that gift of tongues at home. Our spiritual gifts should be used in the ability that God supplies. First Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says, If anyone serves, let them serve in the ability that God supplies. We should be leaning on God, looking to Him, to, to, with dr- drawing strength from Him to use our gifts to build up the church. And then when we use our gifts, whether it's prophecy or teaching or exhortation, the speaking gifts, they should be aligned with God's Word. Right? We should speak God's word. They should be influenced and aligned with God's word. 
So, what are the effects of prophecy operating appropriately in the church? Notice verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. That's the effects. That's what happens when the church prophesies. They hear a spontaneous word from God. They're corporately gathered together, or maybe they're in prayer. Maybe you're in prayer in the prayer closet, and God just brings a word to mind for your brother or sister that you're praying for. You can you can email or text them it now with with communication these days, right? And and you can share that. And the effects, if it's a word from God, it's going to build up. It's going to encourage. It's going to be consolation to them. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, which isn't a bad thing. If you're by yourself praying. Right? It's not a bad thing to, to build yourself up and encourage yourself in the Lord like David did. That's a good thing, but, but in the corporate setting, it's, it's not ideal to just come and build yourself up when you can be building up the church. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse 24, it says, But if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he's called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really here among you. See, that's what happens when the church is operating in the prophetic, when there's a prophetic community just pouring themselves out in worship to God, and then an outsider comes in, or an, un, an unbeliever comes in, and we're just in intimacy, loving, enjoying God, delighting in God, and God gives us a word for somebody. So we, um, in in our community group last year, we had a time of, uh, we, we went around and, and were sharing words that we asked God, would you give us words for one another, and we want to build up, we want to do what the Bible talks about. We want to impart grace with our words. Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Prophecy imparts grace to the hearers, right? And you don't have to have the gift of prophecy to impart grace to the hearers. You can, you can be an encourager. You can uh, just say kind words to people. But when we when we had that time of um, gathering together, I was very encouraged. I was encouraged by some of the words that Christine got during that time. I know Christine flows in the prophetic, and I love love to see her walk in that. And then I also uh, there was a word that Brandy got um, for one of one of those in the in the community. The there was an email sent afterwards about the that word that was when I heard it. So Brandy didn't know the young lady that the word was for. She didn't know her very well. And she shared that word just humbly with a, just a humble, gentle spirit. And I heard it when I heard it, because I knew the young lady in our community group better. Um, I knew that was spot on. And so later on, she, I mean, she, she wrote an email, sweet email, just saying how she said, Brandy, with your, with your brief disclaimer, I prepared myself to not like what you had to say. And I didn't, but not for what you said, but because what you said made me feel naked and seen. It pierced me to the ver- to very being as tears filled my eyes and my heart began to race. The prophetic 
reveals the secrets of the heart. It, it taps in. It's, it, God knows us. And when we operate in the prophetic, God, God's just shining His light on a person, on a brother or sister where they're at, even an unbeliever. And so the result is, is this greater sense of awe, like, God, you're really here. You're really here working amongst us in, in our midst. So I've had many, many words spoken over me that have just rocked me in, in a good way. And then there's been words that people have spoken over me that I don't think were prophetic. There was one particular word. I, I remember I met this lady in a mall parking lot and just got in a conversation with her. And she told me that she said, you're going to go to Christ for the Nations one day. I put that on the shelf. I didn't like leave everything to what I, I mean, I didn't change anything about, I went about my life doing what I was doing. I was happy and content with where I was at. When I finally did, years later, I registered to go to Christ for the Nations, the Lord reminded me of that word. It was on the shelf. I didn't change anything based on that word. I didn't let that dictate my life, which, by the way, is important. We don't let somebody's prophetic word just dictate our whole lives. It should, prophetic words should be a confirmation of what God's revealed to us and how he's leading us in our lives versus totally redirecting everything, generally speaking. But that was a directional word that she, and it was, it was more of a confirmation of, of where God was leading me and how he was leading me. And it just, it encouraged me. I, I looked back and I was encouraged by that. There's been other words too that people who didn't know me have just spoken stuff that has brought me to tears, just weeping. When I, when I got, when we had our ordination service in 2005 at CCI, we were in a little storefront room this size. There were a couple of leaders, uh, and these guys didn't know me. And, and, you know, when they just started speaking the word they had for me, I just wept. It was powerful. I was, and I, you know, it was like, how could they know? It, it was, it was, I think it was definitely a God thing. And, and those who knew me were affirmed that that was a God thing. And I would like to talk at the end here just about prophetic words that you guys have gotten for you or for others that have been an encouragement in your life. So that's the effects. The effects of prophecy is there's building up within the church. So what's tongues? Tongues is the spirit-prompted ability to pray and praise God in a heavenly dialect. That's Sam Storms. Two guys I recommend on this topic, Sam Storms and, and Wayne Grudem. They're both charismatic and they're both gifted um, theologians who've written much uh, on, on the Bible. And, and they're gospel-centered. By the way, so let me let me just say that too, because that's one caution that those who are cessationists or more word people is they push back on the spirit people because they feel like the spirit people aren't deep in the word. And I say we don't have to choose one or the other, the word or the spirit. I say let's take both and hold tightly on the both of them. Let's be gospel centered people who are faithful, who who build our lives on the truth of scripture but who are also open and eager and seeking the move of the Spirit working through our lives, putting the sails up, so to speak, so when the Spirit blows, we're going we're gonna to go in the direction that He leads us. Uh, Wayne Grudem says, Speaking in tongues is prayer or praise in syllabus not understood by the speaker. That's the Apostle Paul, how he describes it. When somebody speaks in tongues, they don't understand what they're saying. 
they're not, they're not praying with their intellect, with their mind. They're praying with their spirit. And they're talking to God. And they're getting built up. And they're communion with God. And that's, that's a good thing. Paul said he prayed in tongues. And so notice this. In this chapter, understanding is essential in the corporate worship setting. So intelligible, intelligible uh, words are important. That's why he's emphasizing prophecy over uninterpreted tongues. He says, don't, he says, I do it. I do it a lot. And he's like, I, I'd love if all of you guys spoke in tongues, right? Not everybody has the gift. And, and, and those around can't understand it unless there's interpreters. So verse six, he says, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation, revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So there has to be some kind of understanding, some kind of intelligible words, if there's going to be some edification within the body. If, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? Or if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, how will they get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, if, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So understanding is essential. 12 to 19. So with yourself, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit... Strive to excel in building up the church. I love this. Strive to excel in building up the church. And strive to excel in building up the church with the gifts that you have. And desiring uh, the gifts that are going to build up the church. Um, Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will also uh, I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you, all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. What, what he's contrasting is tongues that's uninterpreted. So if it's going to be used... So not everybody here at City Church prays in tongues. And that's okay. There's some that pray in tongues. I'm... I, I pray in tongues and it doesn't make me more spiritual than a Christian who doesn't pray in tongues. God gives some of us gifts that others don't have. And so what that creates within the body is it creates an interdependence where we bring our gifts to the table and we contribute to the growth of the whole body because we're all apart and we all bring apart. But if there's going to be growth, we all need to bring our part. Ephesians 4 tells us. So D.A. Carson says this, One lesson, however, comes 
comes through the first verses of 1 Corinthians 14 with startling force. Whatever for the place for profound personal experience and corporate emotional experience, the assembled church is a place of intelligibility. Our God is a thinking, speaking God. And if we will know him, we must learn to think his thoughts after him. That's from D.A. Carson's book, Showing the Spirit, an exposition on 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. So, in closing, just some application here. Pray that God would reveal to you how he's gifted you and desire and ask for spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, especially that you be able to hear from God and then sh- for somebody else and share that word. Now, let me ask you guys this. Does, does every Christian have the ability to hear from God? Yeah. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So we should expect to be able to hear God for ourselves, for sure. How about for other people? Does every Christian have the ability to get a word from God for somebody else? Are are you asking a question? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I think so. I, I think every Christian can can hear from God and share that word with somebody else. Now, does every Christian have the gift of prophecy? No. I don't think that's going to... Paul says in chapter 12, not everybody uh, is a prophet, not everybody's an apostle, not everybody speaks in tongues. And, and that's okay, right? But we all can get a word from God and share it. We all uh, can prophesy. So does that make it like a levels of faith thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so I think your spiritual gifts can be strengthened as you're faithful to steward them and use them. And I think some people just have stronger spiritual gifts. God just gives some of them in, in, a, in a stronger way. They flow in it in a stronger way. But then others have, they've, they've taken what God's given them and they've just been faithful to use it. You, even though they're not as gifted as some people where it may seem to come more naturally or more supernaturally, if you will, I, I think the more we use our gifts, it's like working out. You know, the, the, the better we're, the more skillful we're going to get in building up the church. And, and for me, the way that I've discovered my spiritual gifts, it, it hasn't been like I took a spiritual gift test and what am I, you know. I just saw needs around me, lots of needs. I was at a church that was that had lots of needs, and we were reaching out to a community, lower income, lots of needs, going into the projects, picking up kids. There were needs, lots of kids to serve. There were uh, drug addicts coming off the streets to to teach the Bible, and and I got to be a part of that. And so I just served. I just tried to love those around me any way that I could. And as I sought to do that, I discovered how I can best love and serve others within the body of Christ. It just became more and more evident to me and to those around me, okay, you're gifted like that. You're evangelistic. You're an exhorter. You're, you know, musical, you know. And and when I first started leading worship and singing, I was terrible. I mean, the the people who let me sing and, and... where I first started singing and leading worship, they were very gracious and, and kind to me. 
and so were everyone who listened. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so a lot of them were prisoners who couldn't leave. They were captive audience for six years. I, w- I went into a juvenile detention center and I would bring in my guitar, sing some songs, share a testimony, share the word of God, and they were captive audience. <laughs> but but yeah, God God used that. And so, anyways, the more I used my gifts and stewarded them, like First Peter says, as each one has received a gift. Use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So use the gift that you have as a good steward of God's grace. Use it. Discussion. Let's go ahead. Any any questions? Any pushback on the text? Here. Yeah. It's more of a comment. Okay, bring it. You know, I think that this is one of, you know, when we speak about tongues and it's one of those things that it's a, it's a very like polarizing subject, and um, one thing that I've learned, one thing that that, I'm, that that I've seen is that we tend to not look at those things or not be uh, not to desire those things because we see the way that other people. And you, I think you yeah. mentioned have abused these things. Yeah. And what happens is that you know when you, you know it's more like adding on to what you're saying about the, the despising. You know, we. I think a lot of times we go into sub- subjects like this with our mind already made up, and it's not because of scripture. It's yeah. because of culture. Is it because yeah. of maybe the church that we that we stopped, were going to when we were younger, or whatever our parents taught us, or whatever. You know, so it's like I, I think that sometimes we have to be able to we have to dare to trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To to lead us and to teach us and to be open to things. Because there's certain subjects in the Bible, and not, they're not many, but I think this is one of them that we walk in there where our minds already made up, and it's not because of Scripture. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Perhaps it's more, you know, what what we what we've been around, what we've seen, and and of course, so I came to Christ at a charismatic church, and I, I know you did too, um, and so, so I was I experienced the gifts early on in my walk, and then I saw some stuff that. That I didn't think was the Lord. I mean, I think, I think with any any uh, any gift that you have, there's going to be a mixture. Like if God's working through someone, there's still some of them that comes through their personality, and and sometimes their flesh that that comes out. Um, and that shouldn't lead us to throw the baby out with the bathwater just because uh, somebody got it wrong or somebody misused it or somebody was proud in how they you know exercise their gifts they were proud of their gifts yeah yeah and then um oh also you know i like you know as far as the worst the word charismatic i don't know if everybody knows what that is yeah you know that comes word charismatic which means gifts yeah because i think for a long some people think that charismatic means energized like mm-hmm. in, a, in an exciting way and that's why they see the charismatics as the more you know emotional Christians. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot safer to be a cessationist. You know, as far as like you don't have to you don't have to worry about being seen as kooky or weird because you believe that that God speaks to you spontaneously or you believe in the gift of tongues or you believe in healing and so you pray that God would heal and Maybe he does and maybe he doesn't. And so, so it's, it's easier to kind of explain away logically and write off. But I think it's, when I look at scripture, 
I think the Bible teaches that it's it continues for today. And so we should expect it. We should pray for it. We should believe God to do great things among us. Sometimes just the timing of when you share just the simple encouraging word can be so profound to people. Like God, where God is working, where uh, there's just been many times where when I've shown up and I've shared something and just the timing of it, like when and somebody would say, I was just praying today or yesterday about this. And you say that it, it may not be like a, a prophetic word necessarily, but the timing of it is, is just the spirit of God working through it. Does that make sense? Another way, I, I know a lot of prophetic people get words or through impressions like you know christine and i know i've gotten some and others kindle so like just kind of different images or and sometimes there may be an interpretation or there may not and it's just kind of like here's what i saw you know i saw a sunflower and i don't know what it means but what does it mean to you <laughs> you know and it may not be nothing you know it may or it may be a profound word from the lord right then or it may be something that later on the Lord brings back to somebody's memory. Like, I think it should affirm us that God sees us, that He's with us, that He, that He's an intimate God who knows us and He's active, actively involved in the lives of His people. Well, has anybody felt like God's used you to to give, receive, and give words, prophetic words, for others? I'll share. Let's see. I have one of each. I do. I'll, I'll do that uh, one first. Like just a situation where I experienced. Um, like there was a time where I just started having like this. Like I, you know, I started singing because I wanted to go pick up a friend from a, a choir practice, and they said, "Come sing with me," you know. And I started mm-hmm. trying a little little keyboard. And I remember, you know, like I, I told, I started falling in love, not falling in love, but you know, having hear some like really good worship music that were really inspiring to me. And, and I said, God, if you give me this, I use it. And now that wasn't really part of the story, but it was later on to the Lord, like spoke to my heart, that you asked me for this. And I totally forgot I had prayed that, you know. <laughs> um, but um, so during that time, I really started, you know, just wanting to learn more about worship and leading worship. And six times, four times over six months, in, in four different places, the Lord spoke to me through someone and said these words to me. I'm going to take you to a new level of worship. So that was just like, and every time they sell, like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Like, you're the same exact words, you know? So that was, that's an experience that, that I had with that. Um, the other one is the experience that I had the Lord that um, the Lord used me in this one particular situation. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, if you want me to say anything to anybody, just tell me and I'll do it. You know, and I, I was I was in my job, I there was a large office, I was going to the bathroom, when I was going to the bathroom there was this uh, this this girl that was working that she her her desk was there and the Lord, you know, put in my heart, go give her a hug. I'm like, What? <laughs> You know, and I just, I, I didn't know her. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like probably 2005. A side hug? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. But, but like, I, I still, you know, I, I didn't know her like that. You know, we say hello. So I'm just like, and I'm just like, and her, you know, her, her desk is facing this way, and I go, and I just put my arm around her, and she goes, <laughs> I was just like, 
And then I was like, oh, oh, oh. I'm and sorry. I, and I, I started saying, oh, I don't know, you're just weird. I was in the bathroom. I feel like God told me to give you a hug. Oh, you know, I, I just got like, excited and nervous at the same time, you know, whatever. So then, you know, so I was just like, anyway, you know, so anyway, later on she comes. So, so somebody had told me that, that she was like, a, like an atheist, right? So later on, you know, I, I, she came to me. She goes, hey, I want to just say thank you, you know, for that, you know. My cousin passed away today. Mm. You know, and she said, um, and she said, uh, you know, um, and I said, hey, I don't know if what I said made, made sense to you, and I'm sorry, I just blurred that out. I, you know, and she's like, no, I, I, I understood. She goes, I, I grew up in church. She said, I was like, okay, and then my mind says, my told she was an atheist, but anyway, and then, and then she goes, um, well, you know, my cousin, he gave his life to the Lord before he passed away. I'm like, wow, well, that's awesome, and you know, and I was like, you know, that's great because now all of us get that. And I was, it was like, hey, you know, let's, we got to talk one day, you know. And every time we see each other in the hallway, hey, we got to talk. One day I was going mm -hmm. to clock out, she was there, hey, we got to talk. She's like, oh, how about now? I was like, okay. So then I'm talking to her, and it was weird because, you know, she had been on my mind the last, like, two or three weeks that, it, you know, since the past. And I was reading a book the night before, and for some reason I started praying for her. And I just got put in my heart to pray for her. I was reading a book on Wicca, actually. So, um, anyway, I'm talking to her, and I was like, you know, I was, you know, I was reading this book, and, I, you know, I was you know, God put my heart to pray for you, whatever, in the conversation. And she said, oh, what's the book about? I was like, it's, it's about Wicca. I said, I don't know if you know what that is. She goes, well, I don't know what that is. She's like, what, you know, what, is, what was it saying? Telling some stuff about the book. She goes, I'm a Wiccan. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm just like, this is so weird, you know. And I'm just like blown away by God in the middle of this, you know. <laughs> and I'm talking to her, and I said, you know what? And I just felt like this this inspiration come to me. And, and it's in the middle of the conversation. It wasn't just weird at that moment. And I said, you know what? You have said to yourself that there's no such thing as God. And for a while, you, you lied to yourself and you, you said that you believe that. But it's not that you believe there's no such thing as God. It's that you're that no such thing as God. You, you're angry at Him. And for some reason, in the last three months, God is starting to touch your heart and change that and starting to, to draw you towards Himself. And I feel like God wants me to tell you that He sees you and He mm. hears you. And she just broke down and started crying. And she's mm. like, I was telling God, do you even see me? Do you mm. even hear me? Mm. And I'm just like, I wish I could do this every day. But, you, know, <laughs> you know, so man, you know, and she came to the Lord. She started coming to my youth group. Wow. I was a youth pastor. and so I lost touch with her a little bit after I moved over here. But I'm just like, <sighs> wow. It was, it was just like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Wow. <laughs> and I've had a lab experience, but never so many things mm -hmm. all together, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Wow. Yeah. Amen. It's crazy. I think we also need to realize the converse. In my, in my life, I've done different things like that, but there's also the ones that you regret that you never said anything. <laughs> Those are worse. Yeah. yeah. And it's better just to say something <laughs> bad to them, you know, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter if they like it or not. Yeah. You're doing you're doing what the Lord says because later on you go, man, I should have, I should have, Lord. So you don't want to get mm -hmm. there, even though you may, well, I already told this other guy, man, I got, you know, how many more am I going to tell, you know? Yeah. So, but you don't want to let those the things that you regret in life are the things that you actually do. Mm -hmm. yeah. It goes for your family. I didn't say anything to them. 
Tell them I loved them. And yeah, man, I had a chance. Man, they died. Like, mm. You mm-hmm. know, and you, you know, so you want to just open your mouth and who cares what you say? The Lord mm. be talking in you. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. Or if you need, think you need to say something, uh, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> and they'll go, that's what you want to do. You never want to let that go by. Yeah. You never know what? Let that go by. I, like I've had those times where 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 I've been obedient to God, and then I always think about, man, what if I wouldn't have said anything? Yeah. You know. And I think, um, I mean, I, I, you know, just jumping off of that, you know, because sometimes it's like when you when you send something, I hate, I don't like to use the word feeling, but when you send something or or, or there's an inspiration, you know, you don't have to say, you know. It's kind of scary to say God said, you know, and it, and you got to be careful with yourself to say that, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's a way to communicate, man. You know, and you know, it's just like, man, I'm not even sure. I just, I, I just there's something that I, I feel like saying this to you, or something inside me, you know, you know, like there's a way to say it where you can be careful not to blaspheme, but the same because, and I'm saying that because sometimes yeah. we're afraid, we're afraid of yeah. how we're gonna look or or whether we're doing something anti-biblical. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's good. I, I think it's important when when you when you have a word for somebody, yeah, to try to avoid "thus saith the Lord" kind of stuff, like the Lord said, because it's it's a subjective thing. Like, okay, let's test it. Let's see if it really is a word from the Lord, right? It, it, and so, I I try to use language like, I sense that, or I felt led, or I I, I think I'm supposed to tell you this, or Stuff like that, you know, versus God told me to tell you this, right? And that's why yeah. the cessationist side, on the, they look at uh, the the continuation side, and they say, "Oh, you're 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 making what you're saying equal with Scripture." And then when you say it like that, you're you're sure to not come off like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like if they're saying like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so yeah, we definitely we definitely should see. New Testament prophecy, the gift of prophecy, as not something on the same level as the authoritative Word of God, right? That's the Word of God is more authoritative. So if it if we get a word that doesn't line up with the Bible, then we should we we should we should reject it. Test all things, right? We should test it, not despise prophecy, but test all things, whether it's biblical or not. And then, you know, I think, too, the more we get close to the heart of God, the more we're going to be able to share his heart with other people and, and get words for other people and be able to represent and reflect words that bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to men, right, for, for others. Um, one of the definitions that Sam Storms uses, prophecy is a revelation from God a message from God, but expressed in human words. Yeah. You know, so sometimes our, the way we articulate our human words doesn't come out ex- exactly like the Lord wanted us to communicate something, right? And this happens even with the gift of teaching. Even with those who are gifted at teaching, they may have a, maybe a bad interpretation or a bad application, not, not the best application, and so it kind of gets foggy. You know, like, oh, I don't know if that's the best application for for that. And, and so it happens with the gift of prophecy as well. Like, 
you know, we, we may get a message from the Lord, but maybe how we interpret it or apply it uh, isn't, isn't the best, yeah. right? And if I can give another, you know, like if you, if you get a word from someone, give it the way you get it. Don't, 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 don't add any color to it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to try to even understand it. You know, mm-hmm. give, give it the way you receive it and let, let God, you know, speak to them if he must. But I think a lot of people, they start to interpret even their own, something that they receive from the Lord, and then it, it becomes tainted with our own perception of things. Yeah. We also need to basically practice listening to God. And, yeah. And everybody's a little bit different, and He may talk to each of us with different levels of urgency or, yeah. you know, demand that you go do this or... And it may just, you know, be our personalities the way we interpret that, but we definitely need to slow down and listen. Amen. And that's news towards Mueller or whoever you want to, that he just started talking to God. And God started talking back. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you also have to realize that you have to practice everything in life, from baseball, throwing the ball, kicking the ball. Some people may not mm-hmm. have to practice music much, but they're probably good at it. But, you know, every little thing that you do, you, you definitely have to practice. And, and listen to God it takes a little practice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, how about we do that? Let's, uh, let's step out and just see if the Lord will give us any words for one another. So one of the ways we've done this in the past is we've kind of just prayed over one another and then... Just asked, um, would anybody like to volunteer? The person to receive. (laughs) The person to receive. That we will ask God, how can we encourage our brother or sister?